Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 60th episode of the Truth Island podcast. As we go through life, we are fortunate enough to brush elbows with a few gems every now and then. That person at work who always has time to help you with a project, that friend that can be counted on to lend you a few extra bucks when times are tough, or maybe that special someone in your life who somehow always finds time to listen to you when no one else will. But in more recent decades, a new phenomena has begun to sweep across our culture. These people with each and every passing day are becoming more and more invisible. Now, I'm not saying there are less of these people than in other times. In fact, for all we know, there actually might be more of them. But what has happened is that we've stopped taking notice of these people's existence. Imagine for a second, you have two missed phone calls on your phone. One missed call is from a friend that is somewhat important, but not really the nicest guy in the world. The other missed call is from your trustworthy high school friend that has always been there for you, even when times were tough. You may have noticed that almost instinctually that you sometimes reach to call back the person that isn't so nice, but you deem to be important right away, whereas your good friend is left to sit and wait. Now, you might rationalize to yourself, well, you know, person A is going to get even angrier or upset if I don't call them back right away. And, and person B is so understanding and forgiving. I, I, I can probably get back to person B in a few hours, a couple of days. Heck, maybe not even at all. And, you know, things are going to be just okay. It's almost as if in life we are valuing those who don't value us more than those who do value us. Joining me to help understand why exactly that is, I am once again joined with Kenny. Kenny, is it okay if I don't respond to your email for a couple of months? You're okay with that, right? You're a good guy. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I think, um, I think you're right in the sense that it's much harder to recognize, not just recognize and to recognize and to appreciate good. Um, and one of the things in the, you know, along the lines of why we don't see good people anymore is, you know, um, that's if in fact it, that is the case, it's kind of like the, um, the philosopher King situation where you've raised, you know, or you have this philosopher who is wonderful and everybody wants to make him King. And all of a sudden he realizes that he doesn't want to be King because, you know, he doesn't want to impose his will on others. He doesn't want to take charge in ways that he doesn't feel quite responsible that he he shouldn't be responsible for and so forth i think the good the good heart the good person is usually like that there's a certain there's a certain um decency that comes with people like that in that they are perfectly fine withdrawing they're perfectly fine not being the center of attention they're perfectly fine you doing your own thing and coming back when you feel comfortable enough to come back and so they're not really out there, you know, in everybody else's business. They're at home minding their own business, you know, and so often you don't see them. Yes, yes. I think that a lot of, you know, I, I mean, I'm, 
it's hard because I'm using very black and white terms, but I'm just going to say bad people, for example, in the sense that a lot of them have really, really, really fragile egos. Like their egos are incredibly fragile. They need to be the center of attention. They, they need to draw spotlight upon them. And, you know, if you don't call them back right away, you know, they're like, hey, you know, where are you? I texted you two hours ago or hey, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, you know, like they're they're very on top of it and they they want that attention and they make you feel hurt. Like when you're not paying attention to them, they 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 start, you know, they instill that guilt within you. Whereas the good person knows, oh, um, you know, so-and-so is going through a rough time. I'm going to just quietly wait in the shadows. And when they need me, they'll come back to me. So I think good people immediately have that, that sense of like, okay, um, I don't need to be the spent, the, the center of attention. I'm happy to kind of just fade, you know, all the way into the background. And when I'm needed in the foreground, I'll step up. But right now yeah. I'm, I'm more of a background character. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, um, how does it go? The nice guys finish last and all that. Yeah. Um, they There's this idea that, um, first of all, I agree with you concerning our immediate response to, or should I say this, pressure to respond to our difficult and um, demanding friends than, than to, you know, respond to those who are, you know, quiet and in the background. And I think that people often feel this, it's kind of like the whole battered wife syndrome where, you know, she's been beaten up, but she's still defending the the guy who beats her up. Mm, yeah. And it's weird because I think that human beings have this weird feeling that goes often unchecked. And that is to to be liked. We want to be, we want to be liked. And we always want to be liked by the most disapproving person. Yes, yes. And so when we, when we find ourselves in a room filled with people who love us, appreciate us, and compliment us and approve of us, and we find there's one person in there who doesn't do that, all of a sudden, we want that person's attention. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we're all about that. And, and it's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's kind of strange. But back to the whole nice guys finish last, which I think is, you know, total Actually, crop. I want to touch upon what you just mentioned because... Oh, yes, please. Yeah, I, I think that this is fundamentally screwed up about our nature because I, I think it comes down to, one, satisfying the ego, and two, basically, it's kind of this idea of, like, we want what we can't have. And the thing is, is that that person that we can't have... Is probably an asshole, but we want them to like us because it's difficult or like we, I think we kind of find excitement in challenge. Like, Ooh, you know, and I, I think, I think sometimes girls feel this way where they're like, Ooh, I want the cool dude in the leather jacket to like me or something like that. They don't want the guy who's like showing up to their house with flowers and, and, and like chocolates. Right. Cause that's too easy that, that yeah. they can have on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they want the guy that they really need to work hard to kind of wow and, and impress. But in a way, this is actually a really messed up part of our nature because that girl would probably be a lot happier with the dude that's showing up with flowers and chocolate than that guy who's not giving her the time of day. Well, yeah, I think to some extent, because, you know, so for example, I I think that women naturally gravitate towards men that they respect. There is, um, if you ask, if you ask any lady saying, okay, who would you rather be with, John Wick 
or Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. <laughs> you know, golly gee, Bible toting, you know, um, sweater, glasses, sitting down there with his <laughs> khaki pants. Yeah, right. Or John Wick, this badass who is capable of handling business, you know? And you realize that, oh my goodness, usually about seven out of 10 women are saying John Wick for sure, you know? I mean, that's why people love, sorry, back to, you know, Pride and Prejudice. Darcy, people <laughs> love Darcy, even though he's, you know, initially this asshole figure, right? Right. Um, so there is a part of the, it's not necessarily that the guy is the bad boy, is that the guy is respectable. And the other guy isn't really respectable. This goes back to our conversation, you know, with, you know, why is um, the cool versus, you know, the, the, um, the guy who may be good and decent, yes. but really not that cool. But on a general, on a, on, a, on a foundational basis, I think that it is that desire to, to be approved, to, to, be, to be approved by that difficult, that, you know, to be loved by that, that person whose love is so unattainable. You know? Yes, yes. Yeah. And look, I mean, I, I think also men are victim to this as well. I don't think it's just a woman thing. You know, I oh, I, absolutely. Because I had so many friends, Kenny, in middle school and high school, and we would hang out together. But then all of a sudden, the cool kids came and, and were like, you know, hey, you want to hang out with me on Saturday, me and my boys or whatever? And they would just abandon me and be like, so long, Aaron. And then they would just go to what, what they what they deemed to be the unattainable. So they left me, Ned Flanders, behind in the dust and they went to what they deemed to be super cool. And it's kind of weird because these super cool kids treated them like absolute garbage and like absolute shit because my friend would then be the lowest on that hierarchy so maybe that yeah. friend was on the top of 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 the nerdy hierarchy but then when he you know shifted to the cool hierarchy he's now yeah he's now on the bottom but he loved being on the bottom he loved being abused because he's like oh these people who who otherwise would never even bat an eye at me, they're abusing me now, and I, I get to I get to go to the shopping mall, and they and they get to make fun of me all day long. But hey, I get to hang out with them. I'm being noticed by these people. Whereas that man could have been in in a lower hierarchy and could have been you know treated well and and treated with dignity and respect. So it's crazy that us as human beings would rather be in higher hierarchies where we're going to be abused than in lower hierarchies where we're actually going to be cherished. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the whole situation. If Brad Pitt slapped my face, I would never wash my face again. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking Brad Pitt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think people feel that a lot and it's, it goes, it goes back to, it might, and this may sound very Freudian, but, um, um, a friend of mine was, we were, we were talking a couple of days ago and he, he was telling me that everything, he says, all human desires can be laid down like this, can be, can be set out like this. Everybody wants to get laid. And this is how we make our decisions. We make our decisions so that we will get laid. A lot of people are making, I mean, that's really how we live in that you, you want the cool, you want the cool kids to like you so that you're part of that status and getting you, getting you there will get you what you want, whether it's, you know, the power, whether it's the sex, whether it's whatever. It's just that we're all very power oriented. You know, we want power. We want to be part, even if it's not our power directly, we want to be part of that power wheel. 
you want to say, look, I'm wearing the jersey. I belong to the team. Sure, I'm a water boy. I, that's, I am a water boy, but I'm still <laughs> wearing the jersey, you know? So, yes. Yeah. So you're saying that my friend in, in high school or middle school or whatever, even, even if we were like pre-adolescent, I don't know, I'm sure we were still horny as hell. Like, <laughs> I'm sure we still find it. I, I have no, but basically. As all men are. Yeah, right. But I bet my, you're probably now onto something here, Kenny, whereas my friend thought that, hey, I'm going to hang out with the cool kids and that's going to give me, you know, access to girls or, or access to women and potentially sex or something like that. So being on the lower end of that hierarchy allows you to take abuse. But when I'm actually thinking about this, I don't even know if women would really respect that. Like what woman in her right mind wants to sleep with the water boy? Um, the woman who's been lied to and she believes it. Explain. The woman who's so, for example, if you if you look at so let's let's take the average uh, the average high school kid. Yeah. And um, the average high school kid is, in in my opinion, intolerable. But <laughs> they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 they will do what they need to do and aka lie so so for example he's wearing the jersey he's not necessarily going to say listen i'm the water boy he said listen i'm wearing the jersey i'm part of the team mm. it's like oh what do you play she's like that's not important i'm just part of the team you know what i mean right, right, right. oh you you the quarterback nope but i am part of the team you know <laughs> <laughs> but the thing the funny thing is that it's not just guys because the guy who is looking for that power so that he can get laid the woman is actually feeling this, the same exact pressure in that she, once she is, she's also looking for that power so that she can be part of the people or part, she can be part of the crew through an indirect measure, right? So she's the girlfriend of the quarterback. That's something, right? So she doesn't necessarily want to know the truth either because she's on a power, she's on a power hype as well. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, no, th that's th that, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, um, but I feel like the truth always comes out and eventually that that girl is going to figure out like she's going to sniff and be like oh wait a minute that's the water boy you know like like because and 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 here's here's my look at this Kenny is that like I have a I have a difficulty being in hierarchies of abuse and I I've I've suffered this at work I've suffered this in social circles and I think it was about ninth grade that I said to myself this system is kind of rigged right now because I know that maybe I can get to the bottom of the high, high, high hierarchy, but I'm always going to remain at the bottom because there's this old saying in political science that those who have power don't like to give up their power. And, and that's just yeah. like, you know, it, it's basically a law. They're never going to let the water boy crawl up to be the quarterback or, or, or so forth. So at some point, I, I kind of made this decision where it's like, okay. I don't want to play by your game anymore. I'm going to stay here in a lower hierarchy amongst my peers and amongst my equals. And hopefully we, we can all treat each other with, you know, benevolence and respect and love and compassion and, and, and okay, whatever, maybe, maybe we'll have less access to girls or less access to whatever. But I'm like, I would rather stay here in the garden of Eden and, and treat my friends. Otherwise, what I have realized though, Kenny, is that, even when I explain it to them, they can't understand that same enlightened level of logic. They're still playing the game and, and they're still trying to make happy people who don't really give two shits about them.
Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. It's, it goes back to our conversation about philosophers. When 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 you're talking about higher truths or um, certain concepts that are at least let's let, let's say objectively, let's say okay, let's say okay, no, subjectively to the person who has been touched by those higher truths. So, okay, this is far more superior to, than you know than to how I was thinking a year ago or two years ago. And I can't believe that I didn't know this. And I'm so glad I found it here. Let me tell my cousin, let me tell my brother, let me tell my sister. Yes. You're going to be speaking a different language Mm. because they are not at the place where they can understand what you're saying. It's like the person who says, hey, I've made made millions and now I've decided for some reason or the other I had a dream and all of a sudden I realized that life, like life is more than money. So I'm going to give all my money away and I'm going to just travel the world and you know, see people that I can help and just enjoy nature and whatever it may be. And people are like looking at you sideways, like, are you kidding? <laughs> you lost your mind? Like, yeah, but I've seen something. I've seen something. So usually, you know, and it's, it's, it's very unusual, but usually when, when, when that kind of situation happens, that the person has seen something that, that re, re, redefines their values, you know? And so Power, sex, money is no longer that. It's no longer the um, the 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 evaluating system. Ah. It's, no, it's no longer the system of values. You know what I mean? It's something else. Maybe love. Maybe courtesy. Maybe kindness. Maybe something, something that people aren't really looking at. So I like this. So basically, we as a species need to change our end game, our end game goals, because it's the end game goals of like, okay, what do you want out of life? Money and sex. All right. If those are the end game goals, well, then that's going to lead you to cherish and to value the corrupt person because you believe that um, sacrificing yourself before the corrupt person will unlock those gems and unlock those jewels, right? Yeah. Now, I'm wondering, and I'm wondering on this though, do you think, even from a selfish standpoint, do you think it could be explained to the common person that, like, look, Okay, let's just say I can't change your value system. Let's say you still crave money and sex and and all this other stuff, right? Let's say I fundamentally cannot squeeze that out of you. Do you think it could be at least explained to this person chasing corrupt people is just going to leave you burned in the end? Because I think I think that if I can't change your values, maybe from a pragmatic utilitarian standpoint, I can convince these people like, look, you got burned once, you got burned twice, you got burned three times. When are you going to learn that that just doesn't work? Why don't you just stay here and be happy with us? And maybe even from a selfish standpoint, they can kind of just embrace the logic of the situation. Yeah, I mean, it would be, I would say that it would be ideal if you could appeal to a person's um, even at least selfish nature or um, self-preservatory nature to avoid those kinds of people and situations. But I would say that it's incredibly hard. I mean, it's unlikely that that would happen. Now, it's possible because they are exceptional people in this world. You know, there are people who are just, they they don't fit the mold in very, in, in many different scenarios, you know? And um, but the average person doesn't care because in in that, to them, the reward is far greater than the pain. Mm-hmm. And it may not be the case. It may not be the case. But to them, it is the case, right? So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to acquiesce to my boss and do the horrible thing he wants me to do so I can get that promotion. And when I get that promotion, I can fly to Fiji, meet up with my girl in Fiji and whatever. But I have to do this horrible thing for my boss first. Mm. And I know that I might this might cost me my job in the long run. It might actually cost me prison time. 
but the reward of the promotion and we have we have a way of thinking you know that's the bad thing is not going to catch up to us because we're special right because we're different because we're because we're really smart you know those other people they weren't smart about it or they were just unlucky but for us and there's also the possibility that the passions are so heated that it doesn't matter how what the consequences are i want to get what i want i want to do what i want i want to get it because this is the most important thing in my in in, in my vision right now i i hear you i i, I absolutely hear this that like um that 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 like even though i'm going to get burned and burned i mean first off i think that person is incredibly foolish because you know i, I i'll tell you a story <laughs> the, the, the first time i went to to vegas you know how much money i lost kenny no, but please tell me. I, I lost a dollar, and I said a dollar. I lost a dollar my first time in Vegas. You ain't I, doing it right, man. If you go to Vegas and not and not losing like a hundred grand, you're not doing it. <laughs> I lost. I lost one dollar in a slot machine, and I said, "I've learned my lesson. Enough is enough." <laughs> and, and like, I, I don't understand how how people can be so, so thick headed. Where it's like you've been playing this game now, and look, look. I'm sure we all we all made mistakes as children and as high school students and so forth. And we we barked up the wrong tree and we chased the wrong things. It's amazing that people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s and beyond are still 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 going to Vegas and still leaving you know five thousand dollars in the hole by yeah. barking up the wrong tree. Here's another question. Let's just say you're you're too dumb to get it and you're still barking up the wrong tree. Why can't you do both and and hear me out on this one okay evil you know evil dude or whatever you know you're sucking up to him and being nice to him because you want to get the promotion you want to get the uh the benefits access to girls whatever but why can't you just still be somewhat nice to the people below you you know what i mean like i don't i i I fail to understand why it is you can't do both at the same time like okay i'm going to take shit from the person that i perceive to be above me however i'm still going to smile and and you know occasion and pick up the phone when my good friend calls and I don't know why people don't even just balance out their life in that in that kind of way. First of all, I think that what you just said is it's pretty important because it, it's I think it's indicative of something interesting about humanity. Yeah. But I, I think that's it's not possible to balance it because human beings we try we believe we operate categorically, hmm. but we really don't. We operate categorically, perhaps on an intellectual level. Many there, but there are some. I think Napoleon was one of the kind who could operate categorically, on maybe even on on, on a multiple, on, on, on should I say on a, on a grander level. But many of us don't. In that, the things, the choices we make, really do affect us deeply. And so, you, the person who steals steals the, uh, uh, let's say, candy or a chocolate bar from the store, when he walks out of there, a couple of things are happening. First, he's surprised he didn't get caught then he's happy he didn't get caught then he believes he won't get caught next time he does it then what happens a false sense of confidence so the very act of doing it brings about some certain thoughts those certain thoughts affect him and now he is a certain kind of human being simply because of one action and a series of thoughts and now then you have a person who for example you know hits his wife or hits his children he has this he feels guilty ashamed 
and then he sees himself as something dark, which he very well may be. And then when he, but he, when he sees himself like that, he becomes angry. He becomes unhappy, and he doesn't see it as, oh, I've done something bad, and therefore, you know, I, this is why I feel this way because those thoughts are so quick. Right. And so, what happens is that he begins to operate from those from those feelings you know so he becomes mm -hmm. angry he becomes meaner he becomes more unkind more ashamed and it's a re repeated cycle over and over again until we have this you know um this uh, we have a court case we have a dad going to prison and so forth now i love i love what you're saying it's a it's a cycle of viciousness that that exists yeah. and and maybe it works this way and 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 i'm curious to get your take on this so maybe the dude or the girl that's chasing the asshole yeah. maybe they're getting rejected 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 and the only way that they can kind of like consolidate you know they console themselves of, of those feelings is to then reject somebody else and like so what happens is that the good person becomes the lamb the good person is the lamb that is then sacrificed. And like, you know, the person in the middle doesn't even realize what they're doing, but because they can't comprehend and they can't contend with their own rejection, they have to sacrifice a lamb to feel good about themselves. I think that's incredibly, I mean, this is the case with, I think this is a case with Socrates. I think this is the case with Christ. I think that we are very, humans are very much in the business of killing anything that we believe is good. And it's kind of like, I think, I think you hit the nail on the, and hit the hammer on the nail there. The good, good people make us often ashamed of ourselves. Mm, yeah, it's true. You know, they, they remind of, they remind us of what we'd like to be, but what we are not. Yes. And when we see them, the more we see them, the more unhappy we are, the more we see them. I mean, there, there's some friends that uh, I remember someone telling, telling a friend of his years ago, saying something along the lines of, whenever I'm with you, I can't help but feel judged. But I know these two people. And the one he was saying, when he was telling, the, the person he was telling was actually one of the most least judgmental people I've, I've ever met. Hmm. His actions were incredibly good. His thoughts, his words, his you know, mannerisms, his character, he had really good character. But the other person had this very strange view of themselves in that they were they themselves were always constantly judging themselves. And so he assumed that if this person must be good, he must also be judging me. But that wasn't the case. But that's usually what happens with the interaction between people who believe they're, you know, they're in the presence of goodness. There's only one of one or two responses to that. It's either I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to abandon you. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to sacrifice you. Or I totally respect you and I want to learn from you. Teach me. Teach me what you teach me what you can. Yes. No, I'm I'm definitely a, a, of the latter sense. When I meet someone really good, I am inspired by them. I'm like, whoa, like let like you know, rub against me, touch, touch my <laughs> arm here, man. Like, touch let me, me yeah, 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 yeah. Touch me. Oh, great one. Like, like, like I want to learn. And then what, what it shows me is like, Hey, if that guy can do without, then I can also do without, or, or if this yeah. person is willing to make that sacrifice or this person is willing to make this generous thing. And what I think is going on though with, with the average folk is that they're seeing these good people 
And rather, they're not actually seeing the good person. They actually don't even see the good person. All they see is a walking mirror into their own ugliness. So they see the good person. They don't see, you know, Kenny, the good person or whatever. They just see, oh my God, I'm so deficient. It's like, you know, in those um, carnivals, they have those wacky mirrors or something like that. You know, that's what those people are saying is that they look at the good person and then they see all of their shortcomings and they see all of their deficiencies. And, you know, they could go the route of like, let me rub against greatness. But most people choose the easier route of like, let me abandon the good person or let me even do one worse and sacrifice them. Because then I never need, I'm the most beautiful person in the room. Once the really good person is gone and out of the equation, then ipso de facto, I become the next good person in the room. Yeah, I mean, uh, before I go into this, I'll tell a little joke about uh, carnival mirrors. You never want to walk into a carnival mirror, walk in front of a carnival mirror and find yourself looking normal. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Who said, who said us philosophers are not comedians, right? I know, right? <laughs> Pour me another drink. <laughs> um, so, that was a good one. Thank you. I th- no worries. I think that, I, I think you're right, my good man. You know, it's, I think, so it comes down to the fact that or to the possibility, excuse me, that we don't see good people around because we don't want good people around. Mm. Um, because, and I mean, not only, and like I said, people, you know, I don't think I articulated this, but I think people have very different definitions of good. Yeah. But you can find that there's always some overlapping pattern with all those definitions. No one says a good person is a person who holds you down and stabs you 33 times. And like, no, that's, that's no one defines good like that at least yeah you know, right right it's so but we find that it's possible that people really don't want good people around because they remind us we're not good yes they yes. um we find ourselves uncomfortable because we are constantly in a very you know ac- self-accusatory um pattern and we think that's what they're doing to us um, and they make us often good people like philosophers or like comedians and so forth make people uncomfortable. So the good people make others uncomfortable. So, yes. And I, I you know, even going back to what your friend uh, was feeling, your friend at that particular time was feeling as if the good person was quietly or silently judging them. Yeah. And that's quite the opposite of what good people do. They, they really Voila. don't, they, 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 they don't really judge others and all this other stuff. So, it's almost as if like the, the again, I'm using very black and white terminology here, but the mm-hmm. bad person almost cannot even conceive of how a good person would think. So a bad person isn't even able to get into the mind of a good person and realize, wait a minute, that that person's not like judging me. They just happen to really be a good person. It's like they, 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 almost, they almost cannot, they always think there's some kind of ulterior motive behind that good person. Like, oh, that person's just being good because they're trying to suck up and achieve this or blah, blah, blah. Or that good person thinks that he's better than me or so forth. But in actuality, no, they're just being good for the sake of being good. There, there's no angle. Yeah, that's is that is yes. Yeah, I so I can't I, I was thinking about this literally, thinking about this um just a couple days ago and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, you know, um the bad mind can understand the bad mind. The good but it cannot understand the good mind. 
the good man can understand the good mind and the bad mind. The bad mind is incredibly base. It's incredibly limited. It's incredibly, uh, it, it judges everything from the core of its own self in that it cannot remove itself because often badness has to a lot to do with selfishness and self-centeredness. And so it cannot remove itself to see things accurately. And so it ends up making those kinds of mistakes and, and, and judging. That's why, you know, often to, a, to, an, to an impure mind or to an unkind mind, everybody's impure and unkind. Oh, you don't know why he helped. He probably helped her cross the street because he was trying to rob her. That's what he was trying to do. Like, no, no, he was trying to help her because he realized she needed help. And so this is, uh, this is the trap that they fall into. And this is why it's often very hard to actually interact with a, with a, with a hard-minded, bad-minded person. Because no matter what you say, it's always going to be twisted and thrown right back at you. You know, and, and thinking about the phrase like nice guys finish last and all this other stuff. I think this is why actually good people are so successful in, in this world. And I don't just mean in a monetary, you know, um, famous kind of way. I think that good people have a knack. Like, let's just say you're an inventor. A good person is able to get into the mind of the bad people, into the mind of the other fellow good people or the people in the gray area and so forth. So the good person has empathy. And that empathy is actually, you know, a high form of intelligence because they're able to say, oh, well, the bad person's going to do this. Let's put a few more security cameras in that direction. Or, oh, the good people, you know, like they're able to kind of contemplate how the bad person will react, how the good person will react, and how the average Joe will react. And that allows them to actually make an implant on this world or make, like, leave like some kind of footprint behind because they're aware of how people think and what they need and so forth. Whereas the bad person is only their, their, their frame of reference or their way of thinking is only restricted to the self. Oh, I mean, that's, it, it, you know that the the word brilliance means to have it, it's light. It's for something to be lit up. To be you know it it it's it's a word that I believe originally described light. And the good mind is very brilliant. It's lit up. You know what I mean. It has it doesn't have people. Something I've noticed about you know it's important to be intellectual. It's like sure if like if that's who you are, that's good. But it's very important that you add to your intellect a good heart. It's very important because if you don't do that, you will be limited, like incredibly limited because darkness, unkindness, wickedness, badness really blinds people. And they will not be as smart, as brilliant, as you know, insightful as they could have been until their hearts are, are, are light again, are you know, good again, free again, you know? And um, we find that this is this is this is usually the case is that badness is so dark, and so it ends up really being stupid. And I don't mean that in a you know in insulting way. It's just an observation is that it really does make very stupid decisions. You know the the whole thing about the man who is cheating on his wife. And then for some reason or the other, because he's doing it actually, he now begins to suspect his wife is cheating on him. She's not, but he believes that. And so what does he do? He attacks her for something she hasn't done, but he suspects it because he's doing it. And what does he, he ends up, you know, spending the next few good years of his life in prison 
he's done an incredibly stupid thing because he wasn't brilliant because he was his heart was base his heart was dark his own life and actions were dark and now he's in prison you know what i mean someone would have said well it's because he bit his wife no 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 his his fate was decided the very minutes his heart became dark uh, absolutely absolutely and thinking back to you know uh, one of our previous podcasts if we think about how evil is portrayed in the media the brilliant person is always the evil Machiavellian guy who's like, I foresaw that you would do this. I foresaw <laughs> that you would walk into that trap or blah, blah, blah. But in real life, it's actually, you know, it couldn't, it, that's completely false. It, the, the evil person is actually very, very, very limited in their foresight and in their capacity. It's almost as if evil is a mental handicap. Being evil is a mental handicap because you are unable to see like the world for what it really is. And, and I think we need to start even changing these depictions that we have of evil. We need to stop uh, portraying evil always as the master villain who, you know, you know, we, we always use this word like, oh, that guy, he's he's evil, but he's he's playing three dimensional chess. Have you ever heard that expression? Before? I've heard Kenny? that expression. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's playing three dimensional chess. He's so evil, but he already I'm like, no. His evilness actually blinds him to the ways of good people's thoughts. So therefore, he can never be the winner of chess. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of um, this principle is repeated over and over and over again through many books of wisdom. The most um, prevalent in my mind is the book of Proverbs. Repeatedly, Solomon, King Solomon talks about how the evil man sets a trap for himself. He always does. He sets a trap for the good, but he always ends up falling into it. <laughs> it's, and you think to yourself, okay, how can someone be so stupid? Or it must be just a parrot. No, it, it's it's a real thing. It, that's how it works, you know, is that evil does, in fact, end up becoming blind and stupid and setting traps that he himself ends up falling into. One of the one of my greatest, one of the greatest um, scenarios, films I've seen this in is a film called The Apartments. And it takes place, you know, I think, I think in New, in a big city, and um, this, you know, young executive or this young, you know, clerk worker, just a, like a, a cubicle worker, is being manipulated into letting his apartments out to his bosses so that they can go be with your mistresses apart from your, you know, apart from their homes. And there's this very beautiful play out of this where the boss ends up making all this young man's dreams come true, but does it without knowing. He does what he thinks he's doing. He thinks he's, you know, you know, um, beating, he thinks he's talking bad about the boy. He thinks he's insulting him. He's thinking he's, you know, destroying his, um, his character in front of this person he's speaking to, but he doesn't know that everything he's saying to this person is being understood in a very slightly different way you know and uh, that happens quite a lot absolutely absolutely moving 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 along one one thing that i want to touch upon is okay the evil people are operating at a handicap do you think at this point kenny because it is getting pretty bad right now the good people should just make a tiny little bit of noise do you think it's appropriate that like because I, I think one other thing that I, I kind of grapple with in my head is that if nobody is teaching the wicked people the errors of their ways, and this is a dangerous, this is a slippery slope, my friend, because on one hand, you don't want to be the preacher 
good person. Like you don't want to be overly preachy and, and this and that. And like, you didn't text me for 10 days. And, and, you know, you don't want to become that person because then you will be the object in which people despise. But on the other hand, if you're just silent and you're just a doormat and you just let the wicked people trample all over you, the wicked people aren't really learning from their ways. I mean, unfortunately, you know, it'd be nice if life could just teach them, oh, shoot, I, these are my true friends. I ought to respect them. But do you think that the good people ought to be like speaking up a little bit? It could be something as simple like, hey, man, I texted you three days, a response would be nice. And again, I'm not binging a pot and pan and preaching and, and shaming people, but just a quiet, like little pushback, a little reminder, like, hey, I'm still here. It's a little rude that you're not responding to me. So it depends. So when we're talking about, you know, it, there are different, there are different um, planes in which goodness operates, right? So there's the, there's the uh, moral plane, there's the political plane, there's a social plane. And, and I think those different scenarios call for very different things. But I would say generally, generally, evil is very loud and good is very silent. Yeah. And so what happens is, you know, um, you text, if it was if it was a bad friend, they'd probably cuss you out, send you like 40 messages, leave you 30, um, <laughs> 30 voicemails telling you how. How you dare know, you not respond how, within three exactly, minutes? Exactly, <laughs> you know? And you're there shivering in your boots and thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, you know? But often, and, and this really, then it comes down to a person, it comes down to the personal because I think that a lot of it, a lot of this could also be situational goodness, situational ethics. So personally, so because because it's situation, because it's, this is more personal, I would say that personally, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't um, send a text or call. And here's why. Because I never want to put any pressure on anybody. Because I believe that human beings should have choices, choices that are on, how you say, untouched by the influence of another at least not 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 directly like that so because if they if if so if my son decides to give his pocket money his allowance to his little sister because he wanted to do it he's done it because he's wanted to do it and it's a good decision it's that that's goodness but if i say son you know you really you, you've been buying a lot of candy for yourself you should probably um give your give some of this candy or some of the money to your sister well then it's maybe good but it's not it's my influence it's my goodness being imposed on my son mm, you know what it's i mean it's not organic goodness it's not organic goodness it's not from the it's not from that that sphere of life that 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 metaphysical place of 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 huga you know what i mean mm. so I, I think it's very important for people to make decisions of their own volition because then it's their decision and when it's their decision, they're being human being because there is nothing more human than making decisions. Yeah, there is nothing more human than that. That is what separates us from almost everything, right? So making decisions. So I'm not going to influence your decision to call me back or to respond to me quickly because I never want them to feel the pressure of because it doesn't matter how how gently I put it, all right. Next time they see my text, they're gonna say, "Oh my goodness, I should probably respond quickly because you know last time I didn't respond." He he wasn't unkind, but he did let me know that he didn't like that. You know what I mean? Right, right. Then I've influenced how I've influenced him, but in an unnatural way. He wouldn't naturally have done that without me. You know what I mean? I, and I, 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 yeah. I, I hear you. And, and logically, you're absolutely right. So I would say that the highest form of goodness 
is organic self-motivated goodness. You are yes, right, sir. sir. Like I absolutely agree with that. However, I am, I guess I am still conflicted in a way of like, okay, I am genuinely disappointed that this person is unable to yield organic beauty. That upsets oh, me. You, you, yeah. you, are, you are absolutely correct. I'm wondering though, if I gently say something like, hey, you know, it's been three days, you're right. I'm never going to get organic goodness out of them. But maybe, you know, it's been like five years or 10 years and that person is not developing organic goodness on their own. And I'm like, all right, since they're incapable of generating organic goodness on their own, I'm going to give them this very soft and gentle reminder in the hopes of just planting a seed of goodness. Now, that goodness that I'm implanting is artificial fake goodness, but I'm like, is that artificial goodness better than no goodness? I think in certain situations, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. And here's, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of the things... So in my life, there have been times when I've had to check myself because of something someone said to me, either roughly or kindly. I remember, you know, in boarding school, I, you know, I was walking, I was walking through the dining hall or something or through the living room or something like that. And there was this person that I saw there and I didn't say hello to her. She looked very young. I thought she was a student. And so I didn't bother even saying hello. If it was a teacher, I probably would have said hello, but because I thought it was a student and I was, she was new. I didn't say hello. I just walked right past her. She called me back. She said, hey, hey, you, come here. So I came back and she said, um, it turns out she was a French teacher. <laughs> wow. And she said to me, don't you greet your elders? And I said, I, in my mind, I was like, well, you look pretty young. I didn't know you were my elder. <laughs> but she was. She was a good, she was a good many years older than me. She just looked incredibly young. Right, right. And so I apologized and I said, I'm sorry. And um, that's, you know, hello and good morning or good afternoon, whatever it may be. And she became one of my favorite teachers. And the point is that she was an, she was an authority and she, and she gently reminded me saying, listen, it doesn't matter whether it's elders or not. Say hello to people. Yes. Yeah. Just say hello. Right. You know what I mean? Because that wasn't natural to me. It wasn't, you know what I mean? That's why I didn't do it because I didn't want to do it. And as, as, as a teenager, a young little shithead, I didn't do it. Right. Yeah. So, but she called me to check. She kindly did it. Many others will not do that, but she did kindly. And I would say that I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it changed my life, but it made me think about why it's important to say hello to people. Mm. you know what i mean it's why it made me think it made me i mean first of all you don't want to get you don't want to get uh chewed out by the wrong person so say hello <laughs> you don't want to get caught in the same situation again so self-preservation amen but um but i think there are situations just like that where a person can absolutely remind you saying well, listen you know it's funny it's funny you're mentioning i'm thinking about this story a little bit because what I think happened in that scenario is that the French teacher implanted within you, Kenny, artificial goodness, right? Because, you know, like it did not organically come to you to yeah. greet someone who's younger than you, right? So she implanted artificial goodness within you. And then you realize, oh, wow, even, even, even if this person is three years younger than me, I ought to still greet them. And maybe yeah. it stayed as being our, or, you know, artificial goodness for maybe three or four years. 
But now speaking to you as an adult, it seems that that artificial goodness eventually become, became- Is becoming natural. If, yes. not, if not there, it's becoming, yes. Now, but that's the whole thing is that like, if we don't implant artificial goodness to begin with, how can we ever expect it to become organic? Well, here's the thing though. I think it's, I think it is very helpful. And I like the way you say artificial goodness. I, th I think it's very, very helpful to envision it that way because I think it is important and there are places for that. Yeah. But um, like our last conversation, I think there's a place for it in that it's, this is where wisdom begins to guide us because the last thing there, there are some times when it's not, it's not, it's not the time. It's not helpful yet, but I would say that, I would say that it's not a bad thing to do. You know what I mean? I mean, this is how we raise kids. This is how we raise kids. You know what I mean? There's certain things that I'm not going to implant that in my son. I'm not going to, I'm not going to teach him certain things artificially. I'm going to want him to get it from the roots, from his own roots, you know, own roots up. But there's certain things I'm just going to have to do because I want him to respect, you know, respect people. When he goes outside into the street, I do want him to say hello. I want him to learn how to shake people's hands, look people in the eye yeah, and so forth. And those are artificial, you know, those are my instructions to him. So I do think there, 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 there is a time for that. I, I think that we're, so, and I think that, you know, so we're living in a, in a very peculiar time in America where this is, and this is why I guess I'm a, I'm a little bit hesitant to, you know, to give it the, one, the wonderful kudos that I think it does deserve, is that everybody, everybody thinks they are right. Yes, yes. And everybody thinks that they're the best things in sliced bread. Yeah, they do. And it doesn't matter how young they are and how old they are. They, they think that what they have to say is the most important thing and everybody should listen to them. And now that we have social media and so forth, it, it is very easy to get your thoughts out there. And so what you're doing now is, and, and I guess I never, never should throw out the baby with the bathwater, but what, what happens is that people are now, because they see themselves at the, as, as, the, as, the, uh, as the great defenders, Voltron, the great defenders of the good, <laughs> they want to <laughs> they want to go implanting their goodness in everybody and anybody who does not accept it mm. is you know is to be deemed an enemy struck down insulted cut down um lose their jobs lose their lose their homes their friends you know so, so very strange things happening you know? you're right now, now you're what, what the phenomenon that you described is a hundred percent correct i think it's a bit and here's where the word gentle planting kind of comes into play. Whereas I think that like, take going back to the French teacher, let's say the French teacher said that to you, right? And you were like, you know, screw you, miss. I don't really care what you have to say. Then I think at that point, that person has to just yield and be like, whoa, this person's not ready to be, <laughs> this person's not ready to be implanted yet. Um, and therefore, and this is where it has to be, very, very gingerly and it has to be very, very careful. And maybe, maybe you only get to send one little soft reminder text message. So let's say you have that friend that doesn't yeah, text yeah. you back. You, you do one soft, like, Hey man, you know, it's been three days. I would appreciate a comment. But then after that, you back down because I don't want to fall into the sin of omission because if you don't say anything at all if that french teacher never says anything and doesn't correct any behavior not even once it's a sin of omission like that person missed an opportunity to plant some greatness into you and she just decided not to do that so I agree. it has to be there has to be at least a soft-hearted attempt to do that 
But again, what you say it once and then you stop and then you don't become a preacher. You don't remind them. You don't nag on yeah. it. You just say it you once. Don't, you don't, you don't stay angry. You don't, I mean, hopefully you're not angry or bitter or unhappy. Yeah. And you don't want to, you don't want to humiliate them and all that. But I, I understand. And I think, I think you're onto something, my good man. I, I understand. Now um, there is, there is now, you know, like, as I said, I'm, I am human. Right. And you no no right i thought i know i, I know i introduced Aaron myself as a, a robot yeah. <laughs> i know i introduced myself as an android when we first met but <laughs> i am human <laughs> and there is you know there is a fear that i have that yeah. you know with certain people there is a resentment that does build inside of me i am human and and like even as a good person i'm willing to just kind of politely bow out and, and say, you know, like, you know, you know, hide in the shadows. But the more frequently that happens, the more resentment does build into me. And at some point, I do think that the good people are just going to be like, enough is enough with you. I, I, I don't really care. You know, this is like the 30th time that you've come crawling back or whatever. And I think that's also a really important lesson is that the silent people really just completely disappear and, and kind of really and 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 this is this is it's somebody just told me very recently well if your life is a revolving door then people are just going to trash the place they're just going to come in they're going to trash it and then they'll leave and then when they and then when something bad happens they come back and they trash it so i think that you have to maybe give that very gentle reminder, but then there has to be a time where it's like you just stop picking up the phone when the bad person comes back or you just, um, you know, really move on with your life. And I think that good people around the world maybe need to start doing that a little bit more because I think that it comes to this idea of taking things for granted. And if the good people are just a revolving door, just a doormat where the bad people, you know, like when they're, when they're down on their luck, the bad people come to you and be like, Hey bro, let's hang out, man. Yeah. You know, Oh, oh, oh. you know, hot girl wants to hang out with me, you know, like gone, like they're not, they're not learning anything. They're not growing. And at the same time, I don't want to hate and I don't want to resent people. And I think yeah. that the only way, being a human being, the only way that I can properly respect somebody or properly not resent them is if I do deal some kind of justice or some kind of action to the situation. And maybe that's the gentle text message reminder, but maybe it's also like, you know what, I'm kind of deleting this person off my phone. Uh, you know, once, okay, twice, I'm a bit foolish, but at the third or fourth or whatever time, enough is enough. I don't want to hate this person. I don't want to resent them. They got to go and, and they got to learn that, hey, us good people aren't going to take it, take it forever. Well, I think that makes a lot of good sense. And I think, you know, a lot of that comes with, you know, there's a certain amount of strength that it takes to, it takes to do something like that is, I mean, the person who has life as a revolving door and can't seem to let you know let people know when the door is closed or how to conduct themselves when they're inside needs needs strength needs a little bit of needs needs backbone you know because goodness isn't weak just because you're good doesn't mean you have to be weak and that's the classic mistake that hollywood keeps making is goodness equals weakness yeah it does and it's it's not at all that way it's goodness is very strong it can be you know I mean, you don't hear these stories, but there are mothers out there who have been 
good to their kids you know what i mean i mean and, and incredibly strong and it, it, those kinds of those time those kinds of stories you don't hear you know we don't hear them often but but i think it does take a lot of strength and it does take a lot of goodness um but yeah you don't want to end up resenting people you don't want to end up hating or because then you're you're selling your own heart and your own your own peace and uh, if there's anything I know about humans is that we really like our peace. Yes, yes. And I, I, I think that, that in order to have peace and tranquility, that there has to be a, a balance on that. So for all you good folk listening, unite and take a stand. Kenny, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me, Aaron. This concludes the 60th episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.